Good morning and welcome, Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, and our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com, and this is a Colorado-only show today as... uh, Phoenix is closed. Uh, they, they took the long weekend, the radio station in Phoenix, uh, Christmas and New Year's. You know, that, that's how it is anymore. You know, you, you can't give everyone a whole week off. But uh, let's let's throw a, a long weekend at them. So a, a Colorado-only show. I hope it finds you. Oh, man, crazy stuff. Holy smokes. Just uh, uh, from when we got off the air on Thursday uh, to this morning, I mean, we had the, that crazy fire uh, up there in in, in Colorado. Our, our hearts uh, go out to anybody that uh, lost their their homes or their businesses in that. And, and at first, uh, and I don't know, uh, we'll, we'll find out. You know, the, at first it, they were saying it was a power line thing, and then I saw something uh, late, late last night. It may have been arson. Uh, could have or uh, negligence. Uh, we don't know that it may have started in in a shed or I don't know, just crazy uh, stories like that. Well, we we've got uh, a wild gold market. Uh, gold surged on Friday late uh, and then uh, came back down t- this morning. Uh, and uh, there's a big article out on the weekend uh, exposing who is short the silver market and, and ex- exposing. <laughs> oh, it's the banks. Oh, go, go figure. Listen, it's all fine. It's all good. This is all standard operating procedures. Uh, in, and uh, I want to say it was Ted Butler who was showing all the shorts like B of A and City, J.P. Morgan. Uh, but that's where they always want. But this is why, you know, we're telling you, uh, make sure you get it done early because what happens when it finally does break, uh, the amount of shorts that ends up being forced to cover, that's when you have, uh, these huge moves. All of a sudden you wake up and, and, uh, you know, silver's up three, four, five dollars or gold's up a hundred bucks. Uh, and that's, that's because, uh, all the shorts gotta run for cover. Uh, but, but again, this isn't news. This is how this market, and uh, Jason's learning that as well. Uh, this is how these markets work, right, Jason? That is right. That is right. I, uh, you know, you, you don't know for sure on day to day for sure where it's going. And we, we know with with inflation and the Federal Reserve being in control of our uh, monetary system that it, gold and silver will continue to go up because, let's face it, gold doesn't really go up. It's the dollars going down, and so that's going to continue to happen. But on a day-to-day basis, Joe, it's not a, it's not as predictable. You never know. Uh, the the bond market uh, rising today, and it, it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, it's back to one point six. So the bond market is is pretty much back to where it was when Jay Powell announced that transitory was dead. Uh, it's kind of I- interesting. You if you just tune in uh, and, and read the headlines, you're like, oh man, the bond the bond market is. Uh, What's going on there? A big move today, uh, but I guess my question was: Why was the bond market? Why were yields falling after Jay Powell said transitory was dead to begin with? Uh, but but again, that's just uh, a bunch of bankers playing games. And uh, I saw over the weekend 
the the amount of money left at the Fed on Friday set a new record. It yeah. almost got to two trillion dollars. Uh, and again, all this this exemplifies is, is our point about inflation. Things are going to get a lot worse. There's trillions of dollars still out there, Jason. That's right, Joe. I mean, we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit today, I think, too, because there's uh, I, I got a little historical information of the kinds of things that are going on uh, long term, and then uh, what's going on right now. And uh, you can go off a lot of patterns, Joe. But what's happening specifically now is there's always something different about the trend you're on. You can you can use history to a certain extent, and then and then you guys are like, well, what's going to happen with this situation, Joe? And it just looks really bad. And it's like everyone's waiting for the second shoe to drop, right? Well, how about this one? Uh, citing supply chain issues, amongst other things. IKEA uh, raised prices of its flat pack furniture. So, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know uh, IKEA, they sell really cheap furniture. Uh, and you put it together yourself. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, I'll say this. My, my wife, we, we've bought in several different things, uh, kids' bedrooms and things like that uh, with Ikea, dorm, college dorm rooms with Ikea. Jason, this is, and again, remember right before uh, we, we took off for the New Year's holiday, I was telling you about who, I forget which, if it was Procter & Gamble or Kimberly Clark, I, I forget the company that was talking about certain items in food going up 20%. Ikea says furniture now is going to, they're going to increase the price of their furniture 50%. It's <laughs> a lot of money. 50%. That's a lot of money for cheap furniture, the, man. Re, the retailer said it's no longer able to continue to absorb the cost of raw materials, transportation, logistics, labor, right? Go on and on and on. Fifty percent. They said that the cost increases will be felt the most in North America. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, we got too much middle class going on here, Joe. Suck it out of them. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, right? I mean, you don't see that. I mean, you just don't hear about these things. You know, we have something close to home. Obviously, uh, our Tahibo tea products. Right? They went from. $35 to 50 uh, Apparently, Ikea said it's getting a lot worse. We'll be back after the break. 800-951-0592, Patriotto News Hour. Joe Jaquin, Jason Walker here uh, on this Monday. I uh, hope you had a great New Year's. We had a little wet one. It was uh, raining at... Uh, at least where I lived, at my house on, on New Year's Eve. But all in all... Uh, a pretty good uh, New Year's Eve for for my family. I hope for yours as well. Uh, we we're talking about IKEA raising prices fifty percent, and I don't mean to laugh. Of course they are. Of course they are. Lumber was rallied into the close. It closed December uh, at eleven hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, per thousand board feet. Uh, it, it is not the all-time high. Now remember, uh, lumber prices hit that high, seventeen hundred intraday, uh, seventeen hundred dollar high uh, over the summer. 
then of course remember uh Jay Powell will use that as a transitory example because uh lumber prices fell to five hundred bucks. But don't worry, I told you. I told you. Well that's actually how you know lumber would trade between two and four hundred dollars. Uh, when it hit seventeen hundred, that was the season when a uh, high price would be about four hundred. When it fell back down to five hundred, that should have been lumber should have been under two hundred dollars. So still more than two and a half times. Uh, but I warned you that there was another big spike coming, uh, Jason. And here it is. They're saying the cost of homes are now going. Uh, to start rising again uh, as lumber prices, which are supposed to be, and here's the problem right now, lumber prices should be lower because of winter time, uh, but due to supply chain issues and other prices, uh, lumber prices continuing uh, at the staggering pace here. When you think about, if you're a home builder, as an example, the cost of wood, is six times higher than what it should be. So let's just say, and I don't know what it will cost, a small house, let's just say you need $10,000 of lumber. Now that same amount of lumber, Jason, 60000 Yeah, that's going to make it so that uh, home prices really can't drop, uh, even if there is going to be a, a, a pullback in the markets. So, I mean, it's uh, that's, why, that's why inflation... Uh, with with a broken market is a uh, is a really uh, a, a double edged sword and there's really nowhere to go except for really bad solutions, Joe. Used car prices just hit a number I can't even believe. Uh, this is coming out. I want to uh, U.S. News uh, reporting the average price for a used car used car twenty nine thousand dollars. Uh, that used to be the price of a new car, average new car price like five years ago. Uh, now the average used car price, uh, $29,000. Uh, they were talking about how people just finding a car for under ten grand uh, is going to be difficult to do. You're talking, uh, just start with, if you want a car under 10 grand, I think a good starting point is it's got to be at least 10 years old and probably, Jason, approaching uh, 200,000 miles on it. Yeah, I've seen uh, information where uh, used car prices are outperforming almost all asset classes out there. Yeah. <laughs> you would just I mean, bought a whole bunch of used cars in February. prices are up 40% yep. from yep. a year old. So, you know, think about it. IKEA. Our raised price is 50%. Used car prices, hey, we're, well, they're up 40%. Food companies, hey, listen, we're going to raise prices 20%. I mean, all of this uh, seemingly makes a whole lot of sense. They're saying that uh, the government reported uh, inflation at 6.8%. I just, Again, the math not working very well at all. They said that last month the average used vehicle price was 63% of the average of a new vehicle. So, again, it just tells you how expensive new vehicles are. Uh, they're just trying to say, by the way, that uh, uh, that's more expensive than they were uh, before the pandemic. 
what a used car today, uh, they're saying a car that used to be $8,000 before the pandemic is now 12000 You can do the math, right? You know, a $12,000 car uh, is going to be 16000 A $16,000 car is now $22,000. $22,000 car is now thirty. Uh, and so on and so forth. They're saying that the payments, a household would have to take home to buy the average used car between $60,000 to $75,000 before taxes. So you'd either have to, however you want to, if you grossed, 75 or netted 60, you know, they're trying to give you, uh, before and after tax price. Put it this way, take home pay at your house needs to be 60,000 to buy the average used car now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Joe, I, I bought a few used cars in my time. I, uh, I, with my process serving my pizza delivery jobs, I, uh, buying a car was a part of my monthly payment because, uh, I would put on 60,000 miles a year. After three years, that's 180,000 miles. So if I bought a car with like 30,000, 40,000 miles, like I buy Corollas, so I, I factored that in. I can't imagine the price, you know, my budget for buying cars on a monthly basis with that old job, uh, Joe, to, to get around and do my job. And there's a lot of companies out there that have travel expenses with fleet vehicles and everything. And what are, what are these guys going to do? You know, these food companies have to deliver food and. The trucking companies, I'll bet these these 18-wheelers aren't getting any cheaper either, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it's just great. By the way, the median pre-tax household income. So they just told you uh, U.S. News and World Reports. And, and again, I just want to give you perspective of how it's coming, and it's coming for all of us, this, this, this tax that is inflation. They just said... Hey, for in order for you to buy the average used vehicle, twenty nine thousand dollars, you would need to make seventy five thousand dollars before taxes. The U.S. median pre tax household income. Now, this is household income. Okay, this isn't per person. This is household. So, when we know here in America today, most households, mom and dad, are both working. $67,521. So essentially uh, what they're saying is is half of all American households, and actually more than half, uh, and, and I've got a bad feeling. Why do I get a feeling that the difference between sixty-seven five and 75000 uh, why do I feel like that's a big number, right? Why do I feel like probably 60%, maybe 65% of all U.S. households can't afford now the median used vehicle price. Yeah, Joe, and I, I hear these car prices, and, and uh, as a kid, I remember it always rings in my head when we hear these car prices. Uh, I hear I remember Archie Bunker on an episode of All in the Family saying how he bought his home in New York for twenty grand. <laughs> that's that's the thing that rings in my head, Joe. It's like that was the price. Yeah, Listen, yeah, that was the price. The price of the and again the average new home. Which means the average price is actually a little higher than the median price. In in 1970, 25 grand. Yep. That's it. Heck, a new car was like three grand. Fast forward 50 years, 
Fast forward 50 years, and now we're saying, hey, the average used vehicle price, let's round up a little bit because math's easier, 30 grand. So 50 years ago, you could buy a brand new car for three grand. <laughs> the median new car, right? Okay, three grand. Today, the average used vehicle price thirty grand. Wow, there you go. It, <laughs> that just tells you really what's happening. It didn't happen all at once, but it was little by little, little by little, little bit here. Of course, you know they like to tell you two percent. Let's face it, we're so far away from two percent. It's ridiculous. And how about this? And we talk about uh, gold and silver having an off year last year. Central banks around the world continuing to increase their gold holdings in their foreign exchange reserves, yeah. bringing the total to a 31-year 31 31 high. high. <laughs> I saw right? the same thing. Yep. 31 years. Right, this is going back. By the way, very interesting. Uh, the the last time the dollar was this low in in reserves. So right now, by the way, uh, the amount of dollars being held by foreign governments to buy stuff it is uh, at a twenty five year low, uh, going back before the euro was even around. Uh, it's not at the all-time lows. Right now, the dollar makes up about 59% of foreign reserves. Uh, before the euro, uh, the dollar was was uh, at the low point was at about 45%. But it kind of made sense, right, because you had so many uh, euro currencies out there. The euro itself kind of lowered your choices. Right, so you had uh, a lot of people, you know, rush into uh, the dollar uh, because they lost a lot of choices. But think about this: when the euro arrived, the dollar was held about seventy-two percent, and the euro didn't really come into existence until what the late nineties. And so now we're sitting here and we're falling back to a level that we haven't seen since nineteen ninety-five. Uh, according to the the data out there, the world central banks haven't held this much gold since 1991. Which, by the way, uh, that's the low watermark for the dollar. And why do I got a feeling uh, that's going to continue to be the trend? We're going to continue to see banks add to gold. We're going to see them continuing uh, to turn away from the dollar. Central banks have built up their gold reserves, listen to this, by 4,500 metric tons in just the last decade. And I go back, and Jason, we kind of were talking about, remember when Richard Nixon closed the gold window? Right after World War II, the United States had 20,000 metric tons. By 1971, they had 8,000 metric tons. The problem was the pace of central bank gold buying was really starting to pick up. And when you sit there and we look at this 4,500 metric tons, 
and you go back 10 years ago, well, 10 years ago, they were probably only adding, you know, 50, maybe 100 metric tons. The pace, Jason, is starting to quicken. Yep. And this is what happened. Uh, the pace started off slow, slowly in the 50s. By the time we got into the mid and late 60s, uh, the amount of central bank purchases of gold started to skyrocket. And I've got a feeling this is, this is kind of, we're entering what I think is kind of the mid to late 60s again. I think we're going to see the pace of gold purchases really start to gain steam. And, and again, they're already at the highest pace that we've seen in 30 years. I, yeah, I agree, Joe. I, I, it's, it's happening. It's been happening for about the best last ten years. I mean, these these things take some time, and, and they, you know, I think if you're watching what's going on, you know something major is getting ready to happen. I got lots of information. We could talk about how, how things are getting ready to happen, and and uh, you got to. It takes time to get tons of gold in your country. This is a physical holding. This isn't just paper, because paper has gonna is coming up for some hard times. You know, it's. You know, I know what the TV says, Joe. Oh, let's go buy stocks. Hey, everyone, everyone should just go buy stocks. That's not really working out for most people, even though the stock market seems to be going up. But Kathy Woods, you know her? All her stocks are crashing except for two of them. All of them. She's she's had a bad year for sure. Picture Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. Oh, sir. Yes, ma'am. Bye, God. Be darn. 800-951-0592. Picture Radio News Hour. Uh, Joe Jacob, Jason Walker here, and we're talking about gold and, and central bank purchases. So let, let's draw an analogy here. Okay, so remember after uh, the crash and the Great Depression, the closing of the banks in 1933. Uh, then we had the revaluation of gold from twenty to thirty-five dollars. Now, he, here's something very interesting. If you Want to believe Ben Bernanke? Okay, so Ben Bernanke, uh, who, after Alan Green, Greenspan retired, he became the head of the Federal Reserve. Him, along with Janet Yellen, they gave us two great gifts. They gave us the two percent inflation target, and they also gave us quantitative easing. Really, three great gifts. The inflation target, quantitative easing, and, of course, my favorite, 0% interest rates. Now, why is that important? Uh, Because it's important because Ben Bernanke blamed the central bank for the Great Depression. And and a lot of them, you know, again... uh, and, and, and not, they did cause it, don't get me wrong. It's just not what Brent Bernanke wants you to believe. Uh, the, it really just started uh, with their horribly reckless oversight of the banks, which is obviously something that continues to happen, but neither here nor there. He said it happened because the central bank contracted the money supply. That That's what did it. And, of course, look at what we have today. Right, a central bank who money supply be damned. Let's just keep printing the living daylights out of it. Everybody knows what's coming. Well, everyone but the average uh, person out on the street, and they hope that they never figure it out. But going back to the Great Depression and why they they took away gold. See, gold prevents you 
from doing what they're doing today. They had, uh, had amassed the 20,000 metric tons. And it only took them. It only took them. Well, I guess you had to wait for World War II to be over. But if World War II hadn't been around, I think it would have happened even faster. But the, almost like the second World War II ended, a lot of these foreign governments were like, eh, you know what, I'll start taking that gold back. In other words, uh, all of a sudden, that 35 bucks wasn't even buying a cow again. Right? So, uh, hey, you know, in 1933, it could buy one cow. Then I woke up, and now it could buy almost two cows. By the time the late 40s rolled around, yeah, I was back to barely buying a cow, if that, and they started buying gold again. Now, fa- fast forward, of course, and then Nixon closes the gold window. And no one could trade uh, the treasuries for gold anymore. But then all of a sudden, you know, think about the Alan Greenspan, what I'll call the maestro era, where through a lot of accounting gimmicks, the United States was able to spend a lot more money but keep it hidden. Right, the Social Security Trust Fund and, and all of these future promises. And so it made things appear better than what they were. And remember, Alan Greenspan uh, told us in the late 90s how we were going to pay off the national debt and do all that stuff. I told that story a lot of times. But during that time, what I'll call the maestro years of Greenspan, central banks were unloading gold. Right, they're just getting rid of it. We don't need this anymore. I mean, remember England notoriously sold all of its gold, and and now all of a sudden, since really go back to probably about probably about oh three or so, when all of a sudden oh three or or four, when central banks slowly started buying gold again, and of course. Uh, just last year, think about this. Uh, who was it? Thailand, 90 metric tons. India, 70 metric tons. Brazil, 60 metric tons. I mean, comp- countries are buying huge amounts of gold. And, and the answer really is simple because they look at the dollar, they look at fee, and really not just the dollar, right? They're looking at fiat money, Jason, and they're saying, hey, listen. All of a sudden, all of this fiat money doesn't look very sound to us. Uh, and they look primarily, look at what the United States is doing. There's just debt upon debt upon debt upon debt. And I need to have that hedge against what is coming. And these central banks know better than anybody else how bad things are going to get. They want it this way, Joe. I'm convinced. Uh, the, you know, it, it always takes me a an extra couple hours in, in front of uh, looking at old information. This is the way they want it, Joe. They want it this way. Uh, there was no inflation in this country from the late 1700s to the early 1900s. And uh, when you talked about 1933 and the suspension of gold, it was something that gets forgotten. If you look at the devaluation of the dollar from 1913, the Federal Reserve's opening, to where it is today, it's pretty much kind of a line that just kind of goes way down to where there's like no value. But there is this one little point. There's a couple of them, but there's one major point where in 1933 – the value of the dollar was starting to spike straight upward, Joe. It was going. It was it was going to do what it's supposed to, gold-backed money, you know, no inflation. And that's when they got rid of it, Joe, because, hey, without 
if, if we, if, that's deflation. If we don't have inflation, we can't steal from people, Joe. You know. Yeah, you. Well, you said the word. You were saying deflation. That's right. And when you talk about, when you read about uh, Ben Bernanke and the modern central bank, they are more scared of deflation than anything else, yep. uh, which has led to these horrifically reckless policies, which is why you're seeing all of these nations come back into the gold market, countries that have never bought gold before buying it, countries that used to have a lot of gold reacquiring it, countries that used to store gold uh, in the vaults in, in New York or England or London or, or wherever it may be, bringing and repatriating all that gold back home. Uh, and again, I think Jason's right. This is, this is exactly, uh, how they want it to be. And, and, and again, if you don't have that gold put away, you're gonna suffer the same fate as everybody else, which is a complete devaluation of your money. We'll be right back. 800-951-0592, Patriot Radio News Hour. And again, remember, this is, we've seen this pattern before. And like Jason said, you can look to the past for the patterns. But there's always, uh, other circumstances that you also need to factor in. So remember the last time around, the central banks flying into the gold markets. Because I know, you know, the, everyone, oh, it was the inflation of the 70s. Listen, inflation had already started in the 60s. This is why central banks were putting more of their money into gold. And then, of course, Nixon closed the gold window. There's no gold window to close this time. So that's that's one huge difference. Another huge difference when Nixon closed the gold window, and it's important to remember this, because we're now 51-plus years later, going on year 52. Well, actually, year 51, because he closed the gold window in 1971. Anyway, check my math. The debt, the national debt, was $400 billion. It's now, listen, give or take, a couple pluses and minuses. I know uh, they're going to tell you the national debt right now uh, is right around thirty trillion, just under thirty trillion. But that's not the whole number. Right back in nineteen seventy one, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet—I don't even know if it was ten billion dollars. Okay, it's nine trillion now. And going up fast. Let's just round, going up fast. Right, yeah, let's just round it up. It's forty trillion dollars. So we went from four hundred billion, not to four trillion, because that would be ten times. No, one hundred times. Forty trillion dollars. So that's a big difference in, in the variables uh, you know when you talk about you know debt to GDP when you talk about how did they finally crush inflation inflation didn't get crushed you know they, they give Paul Volcker the credit 
uh, where, you know, a used car loan used to be 25%. Think about it. If you were getting a used car in 1980, the interest rate was going to be about 25%. Could you imagine what that would cost today at 29 grand? It'd be horrible. Yep. It would be, you would probably have to have a median income of 150000 to be able to afford a payment on a used car. Paul, Paul Volcker so just bought us a few decades ago. That's what he did. He just bought yeah, us a few decades. We don't have that. We cannot bring interest rates back. Of course, the economy, the economy, think about how strong the American economy really was, that it could withstand that interest rate. That interest rate, it's not doable now. If you brought interest rates to, you know, the, the, the Fed's funds rate to 20%, uh, the, just the, just to make the debt payments would probably be, I don't know, uh, we probably have a national debt for a year of like $20 trillion. I mean, mathematically, you just can't do it. Which is why when I sit here and I look at, you know, we, we talked about money supply, right? The, the increase in the money supply. The world's never seen anything, not even close. The increase in the money supply in 1971 is like a, a flea farting in the wind compared to what Jay Powell, Janet Yellen, and Ben Bernanke have done since 2006. The increase in the money supply is off the charts. It's why we started the show telling you banks left almost $2 trillion at the Fed, right? Because that's how much excess money there is. This is not a good thing. These are all things of why all of these central banks are going into the gold market the way they are. And you need to be ready for it. I think we're going to see this, the inflation of the seventies is not what we're going to see today, Jason. Exactly, Joe. And, and as you were talking about gold in 1933 and gold in the 1960s and 1971, it, it's kind of a shell game, kind of hiding gold because uh, the bankers know throughout history that it, 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 it's when emergencies hit, people run for the gold, and so they've done this really great parlor trick of hiding the gold, moving the gold because. Because let's face it, in the 1960s, Joe, the uh, the European countries were coming for their gold, so they just they just disconnected it, and then they just sort of slowly dispersed the gold. All you know, who knows where it went? Who you know? Now you know you talk about the early 2000s. Okay, now the banks are going to start taking and buy all the gold. It's but they don't want anyone to get into gold. They just it's just a, it's just a big magic trick to, to hide it. But it's it's a part of a, an overall plan. And Joe, this has gone on for centuries. Uh, when we get back to the break, I can tell you the the, the world reserve currency usually has about 100 years until they move it to the next country. We are long in the tooth for having the world reserve currency. And I got the years in the different countries, and, and the central banks really got established in the 1600s, the Rothschilds, and they have just moved this thing from country to country to country. And I really believe if they decide to move it to another country, it will be China, unless it goes straight into the central bank cartel, Joe. But it's, it's, it's going to move to China, and China is making plays to be that economic power, to be the world reserve currency. Where does that leave us? It leaves us, uh, I guess, as England in the, in the 1700s, show. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a fair assessment. Uh, we got a couple of items. Since this is a Colorado-only show, these are live. Jason has these in Colorado. Uh, we have 11 Mint State 60 Saints. Now, we had these last week. Uh, we ran them at 2060. 
Uh, I'm going to run them today at 2050. There's 11 of them. You can buy them all. You can buy one. Uh, Mint State 60 Saints. Uh, $45 less than, than a, a ungraded Saint at, at 2050. We'll get to the other side, the other item that we have when we return. Don't touch that dot. 800-951-0592. Right now I got gold at 1801. So gold, think about this. When I was here Thursday, gold, gold's down about eight bucks, uh, from when, uh, we closed out the show on Thursday. Uh, they were 2060 on Thursday, 2050. These are 11 graded Mint State 60 Saints at 2050. Uh, I think one time, maybe twice since uh, the coronavirus started, have we sold the 20 for less, which I want to, uh, and, and never a graded 20. This is the cheapest price for a graded $20 gold piece. Uh, since before coronavirus, we've got 11 of those at 2050. Uh, we, we are talking about those ducats, uh, last Thursday as well. We've got about 70 ducats still available. And the, remember the ducats, this is fractional. This is a one ducat. It is .1107. So think about a 10th ounce American gold eagle which is exactly one-tenth of an ounce of gold. So this is a, li- you know, a little over a tenth of an ounce on this ducat. A, a tenth-ounce gold eagle, 255 bucks. These ducats are 225 so that's already saving $30. I'm gonna, I need to get rid of them. Anybody who buys 20 or more, and we've got about 70 of them left, I'll take it down to two hundred and twenty dollars. By far, uh, the cheapest Cheap. price for a fractional gold piece. Regardless, and the fact that this is going to be like a tenth ounce, uh, it makes it just off the charts good. Uh, so we've got the the ducats uh, two twenty five, twenty or more two twenty, and then of course we've got the eleven MS sixty Saints. At twenty fifty two thousand and fifty eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two and here's the other part Jason Hassel so you can go yes. and get them uh, immediately right Jason absolutely absolutely this will be uh, you know I've been having a lot of customers come in the end of last week and I think I have some more coming in today uh, don't think these will last too long and people are going to you know this is the first week of actually working and getting back with the schedules people get back to their routines they'll start coming in here and grabbing all this stuff up Joe and it's, it, it won't last very long so. So call the number. Yeah, this, all of this stuff came out of an estate. Uh, this is part of an estate that that uh, we were able to secure. So this is why uh, we're able to offer them at these prices. And like Jason said, it's not going to last. And it's kind of you know, our, you know, with Christmas and New Year's and all that, uh, it, it's uh, one of those interesting times. But a lot of times, this is when you can get a great deal uh, like this uh, happening. So. Uh, the Mint State 60 Saints at 2050, and of course the Austrian One Ducket, $225. If you buy 20 or more, $220 at 800 951 0592. 